to the back end. He scores! Simply sensational! You're listening to the Jobs and Cheddar Podcast. Welcome to episode four of the Jobs and Cheddar Podcast. As always, I'm Jonah Jobin. With me as always as well is Jordan Chesky. Chad, how are you today? Pretty good, you know, just getting a couple uh, cups of java in, trying to wake myself up a little bit here, couple, but uh, we're good to, we're good coffees, to go. A couple coffees after a gritty Saturday night, it sounds uh, like. Absolutely, got after a little bit, but, uh, you know, everybody's well, safe, well, we're all good. Well, you, you need to. Uh, so this is, you know, uh, we apologize in advance if there's any um, sound uh, inefficiencies here. There shouldn't be with producer Pete on the uh, ones and twos, uh, but we're actually, this is our first ever international, fully international podcast with myself. Uh, at home in Toronto, and Chad at home in Buffalo. So uh, we're cross-country here, but you know what? We uh, we said to ourselves, we got we got a truck on here. The, the fans needed the next episode. Can't, can't disappoint the large following. <laughs> no, you can't disappoint, can't disappoint anyone out there. Um, so, yeah, um, first interview I thought went really well last uh, last episode. Uh, a couple other major announcements. Uh, Pete's going to, Pete unfortunately couldn't come on episode four with us. Uh, he has actually has some uh, issues with his uh, throat right now, which has been bugging him, so he couldn't come on. Uh, but uh, he'll tro- hopefully be on for episode five. Uh, we're again looking into expanding into Spotify and some other streaming services, which we got to get cracked down on. And big announcement for the pod uh, is Ched, uh, gra- uh, new graduate, a college graduate. Congratulations, uh, young man. Thank you, thank you very much. It's a big honor to. Uh to graduate from Mercyhurst University. Um, yeah. It's been about a, a full week now of being uh, an alumni, and it's, you know, I don't feel any different yet, but maybe uh, in a couple of months I'll be, I'll be missing it. But right now it just feels good to be good to be back home in Buffalo, good to see some of the guys back here, and it's it's, it's been fun for this past week. For sure, yeah. No, I mean, it's funny It's funny you say that, like, how you don't feel any different. Uh, my roommate, Logan Rothbauer, shout out to Rothy, uh, he graduated as well, and he said that he thinks that he's really going to feel it next August when he doesn't come yeah. back. He isn't moving back in, stuff like that. And I agree. I think that'll be a big change for both of you guys. Yeah, this will be the first first fall ever in my life that I'm not a not going to be some sort of student, college, high school, whatever. Just it's going to be it's going to be definitely definitely a change of pace, obviously. But just just be all be- right. beer league and traveling, pretty much from now. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully nothing else. A little, little bit of little bit of work, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit. Mix in a little bit at some <laughs> point. All right, uh, let's hop in here. Let's go into uh, you know what's well, it's been a bit late. We're in the middle of round three here, but we wanted to get this out as soon as possible. Um, we're recording this uh, with uh, Vegas and um, the Jets coming up in a couple hours here uh, to see what happens. Either Vegas goes uh, to the Cup final with a win, or uh, the Jets make this make this a bit more of a series. But before we get into that, let's get into our round two recap because we haven't done that yet. Um, Chad, what series do you want to start with from round two? Um, we can get right into the uh, to the big one, the Caps versus Pens, if we want to want to start off with that, that. That was wild. Yeah, that's what I have listed first here on the outline. Uh, Caps slay the dragon. Uh, you know, I don't want to say I picked them, but I did pick them in seven here on the podcast. Yeah, I uh, I didn't have them winning. I didn't have them winning, so I, I was wrong on that one. As as you know, if if you listen to past episodes, and as you know, Jobs, I'm a little bit of a Washington hater, but. They they did it. They finally uh, were able to take down the Caps, and it was uh, it was definitely a, a, I mean to take down the Pens, but it was definitely a uh, um, good series to watch. It was fun, a lot of fun to watch. For sure. I mean, you know, for me, it was a, a series that it was funny because I think you and I spoke about this uh, in between the episodes. But the interesting part for me always was that, you know, uh, the Caps started this playoffs on such a poor note. You know, they they go down two zero at home. And then just a storm back against Columbus. I thought one of the things was going to happen. Either they were just that was going to be a bit of a blip on the radar, or they were going to ride that wave. Clearly, they have uh, as they've just continued to push. And then they even started the third round up 2-0 uh, to Tampa. Now they've faltered since and are down three two. But 
still think that's a tight series. But yeah, I think, you know, for them, they're just rolling off the momentum. I thought going into the conference final, it was either going to be, they were going to be too hyped and like beating the Penguins is all they needed. Clearly, it's, it, that's not been the case. And, you know, they're, they're going for it. I think they know how rare this opportunity is. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I think I think the, half the reason why they won is Pittsburgh may have, you know, after winning two in a row, they might have lost some drive. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, obviously, uh, Washington is, is very hungry right now, especially Ovi. Ovi's out there, like, playing like a man on a mission here. Um, but, yeah, I didn't know the series, the, the all-time series in the playoffs was so dominated towards um, the Pens. They're yeah, nine, it well, now it's not Now it's 9-2. Mm-hmm. They're 9-2 and two in playoff series against them. Um, I didn't know that. It was 9-1 before that. I didn't think it was that lopsided. So for them to finally, you know, um, go over the hump has been has been huge for them. It's been huge, and you've seen them carrying, you know, one note on Ovechkin, and we'll get into this, this series a little bit later, but I just read this article this morning. The last 4.48 of the game yesterday, Ovechkin played 4 minutes and 28 seconds of it when they were trying to push. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. He scored. He scored, he scored too. too. Yeah, he scored about a minute 30 left. But, I mean, you think, bomb. you think about that. I mean, like, that's at any level to play that much out of the last five minutes is crazy. And to do it, you know, in the conference final is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty wild. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, you know, so anyways, I, so right now I was 1-0 after that series of my picks. Chad 0-1-1. But it evens up right here with uh, Vegas just continuing to prove me wrong. I don't know what I'm going to learn. Uh, Chad, you picked Vegas around two. You were correct. I picked the Sharks, and again, it was incorrect. You know, Vegas, uh, if they win, I'm going to take a lot of credit for their victory. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, sure, the players and, you know, Jargalon Jar- have put together a good team, but, I mean, I continue to pick against them, and they continue to, to just show me up. You know, I know Flurry's probably a big listener, and he's playing lights out, so I don't know. Yeah, Flurry has been, un- has been unbelievable. unbelievable. Uh, like, it's been... It's been incredible to watch. I was uh, listening to some sports talk radio, and they mentioned it was a good comparison. I didn't even think of it. So they weren't comparing the two skills, the skill levels of the two goaltenders. But um, I was listening, and they talked about how he makes like some Dominic Hasek like like saves. Oh, for Not sure. Not saying what he was just. It was just like fun to watch, acrobatic, athletic uh, saves, and it's just been it's been incredible to watch. Well, yeah, I mean, going off that, uh, the, the two the back to back saves he had um, after Shifley gets the one timer from Wheeler. Uh, in game three, and then to, to make to then dive back across the net to make yeah. that save, you're, that's very hashtag. Like I mean, you've seen him do that in his career. I mean, that, the clip that everyone who watches a lot of hockey knows is obviously when they beat Detroit in 09 to win their first cup um, since '92. You saw that dive across with a couple of seconds left. Flurry's a very acrobatic goalie. I mean, he's, you know, I, I think for me, I'm happy about it because he's always known as the ultimate team guy and just the ultimate teammate in, in pro sports. So for to see mm-hmm. him after, you know. You don't want to say getting outcast by Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, they had to make a decision, and Murray's a much younger goalie with a lot longer term on him. They had to make a decision there with the expansion draft. But for him to go and flourish uh, in Las Vegas, then this team going to run, you know, rallying around, I think, guys like him, that to me is, is awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. And what they've been able to accomplish has just been just, you know, nothing short of spectacular. And uh, I saw some doing some research, doing some homework for this. They're the third team to ever win multiple uh, playoff series in their first season. Well, and that even dates back to, like, so far back that Toronto, Toronto in nineteen eighteen did it. Wow. Okay. And then the St. Louis St. Louis Blues in nineteen sixty eight. So it hasn't even happened recently. And then just to just to continue to play as well as they have been has been great. It's funny you bring up the Blues. I'm pretty sure the Blues and I I might have to might be called out by the people here on this one. But I think it might be correct. I believe the Blues in their first year went to the Cup final. So Vegas would be very mirroring of that. They may have gone. I think they got swept in the final, but I think they may have gone in sixty eight. So the way. what do you? So what do you think? about like if Vegas makes the the cup because I know some people now that like they might actually do it like people are really starting to um you know voice their true opinions on this mm-hmm. team 
And so I'm basically thinking, what do you think? Is it good for hockey? Is it good for the NHL? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Is What, what do you think? Well, it's a great question. Uh, so first of all, uh, one note, and for people, anyone who bet on Vegas at the start of the year, whew, there could be some big returns if they end up winning, is number mm-hmm. one. Um, two, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I love it. I absolutely love it for hockey, um, for the game of hockey. I think that it shows, and we've talked about this at length on, the, on this podcast in previous episodes, I think it shows the true parity and the depth of this league. To have a team that's taken purely by an expansion draft, to have like no true first liners, to, I mean, James Neal was kind of a fringe first liner, but mostly other than that, Flurry being like that one rock who has been an, an established NHL starter. But to have pretty much two first line slash starter players on an entire roster, and then for them to go on this run, I think it shows uh, the how competitive this league is. I think it shows how e- like equal this league is on a nightly basis, and I also think it shows how much coaching matters. I think when you look back, it, you know, at this team and how they've started, I think you're going to see uh, just what a mistake, what a massive mistake Florida made by letting Gerard, uh, firing Gerard Gallant last year. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy has just built this team into a team that plays with no fear. They do have nothing to lose, and they play like that. You combine that with their high-end skill, and just they're getting the best. The way I look at it is they're getting the absolute best out of every player. They're just riding that wave, that new energy. I think it's great for hockey. I, I'd like to see them go. Now, I'd also like to see a Canadian team in the Jets go. Um, but, you know, no, I think it's great. What do you think? I am... Um... So I see, I know that some people are, are would would kind of question the league, um, the NHL if an expansion team makes the cup, um, and then even if they were to even win it, which I can understand that I don't necessarily agree. But as far as the game of hockey goes, like not necessarily just the NHL, but as far as the game of hockey goes, I think it is incredible. Like it's incredible what they've been able to do, and I think it just shows that you don't need this like high end skill. It's not a sport where you need to be the most athletic, the most skilled player. You can just you, work. you can have a little bit just of mid, a little bit yeah hard, hard work like the grit i know it sounds like so so cliche but just like working hard and everyone and the team like on a mission you know and you set your mind towards something as, as cliche as that sounds like they are proving that you know these cliches to be true and they're proving that hockey is a sport where yeah as long as you work together as a team and play play as hard as you possibly like, play as hard as you can for the most part you can you can do some great things so I think so I think for the game of hockey, it's 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 great, and for the NHL, I can understand both sides of the argument if you like it, if you hate it. See, but, but for me, for me, of- I think I think that it's nothing but positives for the NHL. I think that you're seeing a team, you're showcasing this league and how competitive it is. I mean, I'll give you a prime example. There is, I I I would venture as far as to that I don't think any other league in the world you would see something like this where an expansion first year team goes all the way. I don't think it'll happen. Look at the NBA. There's five teams that compete every year. I mean, the Raptors finish first in the East. They get swept by the Cavs. If you don't have like a star player or a couple star players, pretty much at this point uh, in the NBA, you're not you're not going anywhere. I mean, you're just not. Mm-hmm. So I think that you look at that and you relate like you go that comparatively to the NHL, where a first year team with no bona fide star. I mean, I think you could say Flurry's definitely a star goalie, but other than that, I mean, if you don't have one like real star star standout player. I mean, come on! I just don't think you. I think that makes this league so unique. I think it's so good for hockey, and also I think you're seeing a whole new fan base grow. Vegas is growing. Bryce Harper, the you know Washington National yeah, Baseball been that. star, is diving in yeah. like he loves them, and he's talking about how his kid, when he has kids, they're going to play hockey because of Vegas. And I think you see that growth, and that's great for the game. Absolutely, for sure. Um, okay, quickly here. So we got through those two series. All right. So then now the Jets beat the Preds. Um, so that to me was crazy. You know, a lot of people talked about this being the the, true, the cup final, uh, like or the mm-hmm. true cup final based on you know the fact they finished one two in the league. I, I'd agree with that. I think that you and I have talked about the playoff format. And I think that it probably should change at some point. Um, you know, you and I both picked the Preds going to the cups. So we both missed on this series. 
Uh, but I thought I thought it was a great series. I thought to me the big shocker was the Preds goaltending. I don't know what did you think about it. Yeah, um, yeah, the Jets had a lot of scoring, <laughs> a lot of scoring. They had five, or, uh, the Predators let up five goals in Game Seven, six in Game Five, um, seven in Game Three, and then I mean four is not horrible, but four in Game One. So there's a lot of high scoring games. Um, so yeah, goaltending is definitely was definitely a question, especially when you need your goalie. You don't need a goalie to steal the game, but he's got to at least put you in a position to win the game. So right. if he's letting in all these goals, like it's it's gonna obviously make it a lot a lot harder to to uh, to play. And it just proves that um, the Jets just you know young explosive offense and they can put pucks in the net and, and at high levels too. No, I mean I agree. I thought it was uh, pretty well. Just a quick update here. I'm watching the score. USA just beat Canada four one in the bronze medal game. It was 1-1 when the podcast oh, wow. started. I think, I'm think i assuming there was two empty netters because they were scored very late. But yeah, Nick Bonino made it 2-1, about seven minutes left, and the U.S. Uh, won from there. So that's tough. That's that's tough goal. We'll get, yeah, we'll, we'll get uh, more into that later. Yeah, we'll talk get more about that later. in a little bit. In a little uh, bit. That was pretty wild. But anyway, just a quick update. Um, yeah, you know, for me, I was I was, I was was truly stunned uh, by, you know, Rene and just how he <clears> came out in Game 7. I like Laviolette's, you know, gutsy move to put Soros in early in that game and try to rally them. Yeah. Which, you know, and when Subban scored that goal to make it 2-1 in that game, I really thought that Nashville was going to start to roll. But I think <coughs> it's just a pure testament to the way... You know, the way this Jets team has really come together this year and has become such a bona fide team. To me, the thing that is shocking, and we'll get more into this as we go into our round three discussion, but is I thought once the Jets got by, like, uh, the Preds, they were going to roll. And the fact they're down 3-1 right now is crazy. Um, yeah, 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 that's 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 wild to me. I, and this, the same thing for me. As, as soon as I thought that they were going to beat the Preds, I thought, yeah, right. okay, Winnipeg's going to go to the Cup for sure. Might not be an easy ride, but I thought more so for sure that they were going to make it to the Cup. But. I guess we'll, we'll guess we'll Now, another out. question I have for you in this regard is about, uh, quickly on this, is the President's Trophy curse. You know, you see the President, the President's Trophy this year. Not a lot of teams have been able to, to get that double, that President's Trophy win. I believe Detroit went down in 08. I know Chicago did it in the shortened season in 2013. But typically, the team that win the, wins the President's Trophy, you know, ends up losing. They usually go pretty far. Sometimes they don't. But, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Do you think there's any President's Trophy curse kind of thing? Like, being, maybe not being as hungry because you already have clinched so early? That could de- that could definitely play a factor. Like, yeah, the hunger factor can definitely be in there. But also, um, like when you play when you play a sport, it doesn't even have to be hockey, and you play against a good team, um, the true competitors want to play against the good team, so they can elevate their games to play against you know what would what would be considered I guess you know statistically as the best team in the league when you win the Presidents yeah. Trophy. Um, so it could be yeah a little bit of a lack of hunger, but also a combination with uh, you know. Um, other teams rising to the occasion to want to take down the big dog, to want to take down the top team. And I think, especially in the playoffs, the true competitors are going to come out no matter what. And then when you play against a good team, you know, it's just a recipe. It could be a recipe for disaster for the for the president's show. Yeah, I agree. And I think the tough part, too, is, you know, and this is where, again, we go back to this playoff format. But it's tough <clears> to say, like, oh, it's a – I mean – in, in previous years, I think it's been a curse. I think, I think for example, Washington is a prime example of they've won multiple presidents' trophies, have never had playoff success, again, running to Pittsburgh a lot. But what's happened, I think, is you've seen them almost become, compla- not complacent, but, you know, they've been, they've clinched for so long, they've known that run, like, they're going to be on that run for so long. And I think, you know, again, the league is so close. Just taking your foot off that gas, just that little half inch could have impacted them. In this series, mm-hmm. and in this year, I don't think that's the case. It, like we said earlier, it was the one versus the two, like, one versus two in the entire league. Either team could have won that series. It went seven as predicted, and the Jets took it. Yeah, great series. So, all right, and then finally, um, the one that was surprising to me, and you and I spoke with this in the last podcast about the inconsistency 
uh, of the Bruins top line and if that would impact them. It clearly did as Tampa, you know, the Bruins look great in game one. They beat Tampa 6-2 to two, and then Tampa just rolls and wins four straight and they beat them in five. So uh, what were your quick thoughts on that series? So yeah, as we as you just re- you know repeated the inconsistency of Boston, they come out hot winning six two. I think Marshan had four yep. points, um, Bergeron had three points, Pasternak had four points. Um, so it seemed like all systems were a go for them right off the bat, and then obviously Tampa, you know, is kind of doing what they did in this series that they're playing right now against Washington. They just were able to find a rhythm and then really really bounce back. Obviously, as they win the next four in a row. Yeah, I mean, to me, it was crazy, I think, just to kind of see them explode out there. I also think, though, you know, we talked about this a lot, is that, you know, Tampa has been, and you're seeing it again now, and we'll get into that in a second, but, like, the rest, I think, is benefiting them. You know, the playoffs is such a grind. For them to win the first round against New Jersey, you know, in uh, in only five games, then you have Boston coming off of the Toronto series, which is the only seven-game series of round one. And also, you saw their injuries play up. I mean, you saw that happen consistently. You had backs get injured, you had Krug. I mean, Tory Krug has been one of their best defensemen all year, and he doesn't even end up finishing the series. I mean, you know, it's not going to bode well for them when you have big guys like that going down. Yeah, and you mentioned the uh, the amount of games that Tampa had to play, and I think it's actually benefiting them right now in the uh, in the series sure. they're playing right now because yeah, they played ten total games coming into the um, coming into this round and against you know a weak New Jersey team in the in the first round, and then um, you know a decent Boston team, but them only playing ten games now, I think, is 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 a huge advantage for them. For sure. For sure. All right, let's hop into round three here. As we're uh, we're gonna make what I call it some educated predictions for the Cup final, as you know the series are already uh, quite underway and they're actually towards the uh, end of it. Um, the thing that I wanted to kind of start with though is obviously we'll get into the series and the scores and everything like that. But first of all, I think we one thing we need to address, and you know you hear about it all the time in hockey, is that you need you need goaltending to win in this league. I think you're seeing that on full display here. There's a, just a goaltender duel in Vegas and Winnipeg, and in Tampa and Washington. And you just have you got Hellebuck versus Flurry, then you have Vasilevsky versus Holpe. I mean, just just four great goalies. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's I mean, yeah, as as the old saying is, yeah, you need goaltending to win, and I think we're seeing it now. Um, and then yeah, in this in the first year, I mean, we're gonna talk about Vegas and Winnipeg. There's not not nothing been. You know the scores haven't been too crazy, um, nothing too high. So yeah, goalies are playing well, and it's it's yeah, it's keeping. Well, you, I mean, I think you can see it. I mean, I, you know, I've I've listened to Blake Wheeler's comments po- the last two games uh, after Vegas games. I mean, I think after I believe it was after Game Four, he said he goes nine times out of ten we win that game, uh, and and he's right. I mean, I thought like you know you've seen it in both series. Uh, you also saw it with Tampa Bay. Um, Vasilevsky stole uh, stole Game Four. I thought Washington completely outplayed played Tampa Bay in that game. Now last night Tampa came out hot, and I think they deserve that win, but. Overall, I mean, Vasilevsky has elevated his play, and that's what's allowed him to win three straight. Um, it's been crazy to see. Fleury's been on fire, and I think when you look at it, we talked about this before, Vegas has been on an incredible run, but I mean, I don't think they're even, I think they're out in round one or two without Fleury's stellar, stellar play. Mm-hmm. For sure. So that's yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, he is definitely the backbone of the team, definitely carrying them for, for sure. Um, but it's, yeah, goalies have been playing well. For sure. All right, so let's get into the series here. Like, do you want to start in the West or the East here? Um, you can pick. Doesn't matter to me, man. All right, let's let's stick on the East here. We'll go. So right now it's currently three two, um, in the Eastern Conference Final. The Tampa Bay Lightning leading the Washington Capitals. Capitals, as everyone knows, go up two nothing on the road, where they've been excellent this uh, playoff, only to lose two straight at home. Definitely a missed opportunity there in Game Four, as I said. Vasilevsky, I think, stole that one from them. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, who who do you like in this series as it wraps up? It's now two games, uh, two games left, uh, and the Caps are on the brink. So I'm now. It's easier for me to say. Of course, but yeah. I still, I, I still think it's going to be Tampa. Um, and I was even saying that when they were down, you know, two nothing. Um, I don't know if it was more so to give my friends a hard time or if I actually believed it. But 
I mean, they just have a just a great all around team, uh, well balanced and with a high powered power play and stuff like that. I think I think I'm gonna give them the edge, and their power play is great because obviously I think Ovi might have sort of revolutionized the way people play the power play with what he does on the power play. For but sure. then Tampa takes it takes it another step further to have two one timer guys both sitting in about the dot, you know, in the dot area. And they can just for for a goalie, I feel like that is absolutely terrifying to know that there's like just two two sharpshooters on either side that can be that can score goals easily. Oh, for sure. And I think that the funny part is like, and you know, and I heard this on the broadcast last night, and it's so true. Is you look at and you just mentioned, you know, obviously talking about the two sharpshooters being Kutrov on the right and uh, Stamkos flanking him on the left. The hilarious part is up top you got Victor Hedman. I mean, that guy can also launch bombs, and people don't even talk about him as a third option. J.T. Miller's been great in front of that, and then Braden Point, who has been. Just the breakout star of these playoffs and has had a great year for Tampa Bay has been unbelievable. And, you know, I just think the tough part is, is I mean, it's a man advantage for a reason. It's who do, you, who do you leave open on that unit? I mean, all of them can score. I think, obviously, you want to try to flank the sides there and take away um, Stamkos, who's been, you know, so hot lately. And then Kucherov just – Kucherov, the thing for me that is, is crazy about him is, yeah, he's a great shooter and you see him let shots go. But the thing is, he has – He's such a gifted through the seam passer. A lot of Stamkos' goals, yeah, they're obviously from Hedman, some of them, but a lot of them are from Kucherov just threading the needle in that zone, and I think that's Which really a, fun to watch. Yeah, that's a very difficult pass to uh, to make, and then Extremely. to have the yeah to have the confidence to do it regularly is great. And I think what helps him making those passes is you know he's passing the puck to, to Stamkos, which. I mean, that's going to usually end well in your favor if you can get that pass across. So it doesn't hurt to try it, and it's good to see it work. No, for sure. I mean, it's been interesting to see. For me, you know, uh, so you have, you have Tampa going. I, you know, I picked Tampa to go to the final, and, you know, part of it doesn't want to change that pick. But, you know, like you and I have been kind of going back and forth with who we're picking on these series. I I, I think the Caps, I, I do believe the Caps are going to win game six. I think they're going to, you know, at home. I, yeah. I think the has been on a tear. Game seven's always a toss-up. I hope it goes to game seven because I think that's, this series deserves that with how the goalies have played, how, you know, um, both both teams have played. I would love to see the Caps go from a personal standpoint. I think that Ovechkin, and I know you're a bit of a Washington hater, and we, yeah. I, I'm with you in the sense that I do think that Backstrom's an all-around better player, although obviously he's had the hand injury, which is affecting him heavily in this particular playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. However, you know, I, I do think that Ovechkin, stripping away the, you know, who's the better player on that team, I think you, you look at it as one of the most prolific goal scorers, has, as you just said, has revolutionized the power play and sort of how how he's defend how people defend in this league in, in a lot of ways overall um i just think he's a good guy too i think he seems to carry himself pretty well off the ice i'd love to see him get a chance to, w- to win that cup mm-hmm. uh it's gonna be tough it's gonna be a toss-up um you know i said lightning at the start they're up three two here so i'm gonna stick with lightning for now because i think they have that depth and i would also like to see you know tampa go in terms of uh they're the only team out of the four left at who's actually ever won a cup which is a note uh, like in franchise history, but I do think it's a totally new team since they only won in they went way back in 04. And yeah, back, back to the. Oh, I'm sorry. You no, that's it. I was just going to say, you know, it's been a while, but yeah, I think the Lightning will, will pull this out. Yeah, back to the. You mentioned the depth, and then we've also mentioned that they've only played 10 games up into this series. So that with a combination of. Um, I feel like Washington is. is They're not rolling their lines as much as they mm-hmm. should. And like, as you said, Ovi played, what was it, four, four and a half minutes out of the last five, basically yeah. five minutes of yesterday's game? So I also heard that the, the fourth line in Washington has just been playing very, very minimal minutes, which I understand, like, you know, you want to get your best players on the ice, but it's late in the season. They're basically through a quarter of a second season, you know, in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, on the combination of Tampa playing very minimal games with a team with a lot of depth and they're rolling their lines a little bit more. Washington is, I mean, their top players, I feel like they're getting a little tired. They're losing a little bit of, a little bit of juice late in the game. I mean, they're, I mean, they're going to, like you said, 
you know, Tampa is just, for me, I think all year you've seen them. Like, Tampa has started hot. They've stayed hot. Um, Nikita Kucherov is probably going to have one of the best years in NHL history uh, for a guy who, who won't win any awards. I mean, he's not going to win the Armour yeah. Ross. He's not running the Richard statistically. He's not in the finalists for the heart. And that guy had an unbelievable year. It was just, he cooled off just a touch at the end. But this team, this for me, they're a well-oiled machine. They've been to three of the last four conference finals. Um, we're in this Stanley Cup final in 2015 when... Chicago Blackhawks thankfully beat them. However, I do think that this could definitely still be, you know, there's a lot of great storylines in every other team, and Tampa just kind of been that consistent machine all year. I, I think that they're going to take this series, and they have, they have a great shot to win it. Yeah, I think now they'd be now they'd be my cup pick. I mean, I know it's easier to say with four teams, but I think now they'd be my cup well, pick. Well, I mean, you have to make a new pick, obviously, whether that's both picking Nashville and then both being, you know, them, them falling out to the Jets. But anyways, yeah, so we're both going to say, Tampa in this series, okay, and then in the West here, we've we've briefly already touched in this series, but Vegas Winnipeg, I'm stunned at the start of this series, three one for Vegas over the Jets. Game five goes today at three o'clock, so I mean Vegas could be on their way based on how it goes. Although they are back in Winnipeg in hostile territory, who do you like in this series? Um, so yeah, I mean easier to say they're up three one. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go with Vegas here, and I think it's actually time that uh, people, you know, admit that they're actually. Well, I say pretty confidently, I think they're going to make the cup, and it's 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 awesome. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun series, even though it's three one. But it's been it's been great to watch these guys. Play. Yeah, we we you know we we talked about them already a lot here on this episode. And you know, here's the thing, for your sake, I know a lot of people want Vegas to go. If I pick them now, then then they're not going. Jets will pull this miraculous comeback off. Because um, you know, just I've always been picking picking against them. They always keep proving me wrong. Listen, I think it's still going to be tough. Uh, I think the thing is, is what you're seeing here is people say like, oh, you know, like the Jets are like, you know, could have a bit more experience. Yeah, the Jets haven't been on a deep run though with this group. You know, this is the Jets. This is a lot of the Jets, like, and the young, especially their young guys, their first couple playoff series. So I think you're mm-hmm. going to see a lot of like, you know, there's there's a lack of experience on both sides because obviously new team and stuff like that in Vegas. I'm going to go Jets in seven. Okay. Yeah, pretty bold. I've picked yeah, against Vegas yeah. all year. I'm not going to stop now. I do. I am a totally a believer. I was a believer after they swept LA, to be honest. But I can't. I can't pick them now and hop on a bandwagon this late in the season. It's just not in my nature. I think that if the Jets win this game, because the thing is, at the end of the day, now I think you 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 rally around the home crowd and you, you try to get a couple. But I think either, to be honest, that this is a bit obviously like there's not many games left. I think either Vegas ends it tonight. If they don't end it tonight, I'm calling Jets in seven. No, that's fair. Yeah, I can I can see that. And I, I like that you uh, stick stick to your guns here. I respect you that. You have move. to. You have to. Okay, uh, before we take a quick break here, I just want to get one more quick question on to wrap up round three. So the uh, question is, uh, give us give us a con Smythe pick here, one from each team, and you and I can just go back and forth on who we each think. If you know, if any of these four teams wins the Cup, which all of them obviously have the possibility to do still, who do you think is their con Smythe pick as of today? Um. Okay, so one from each team. Yeah, so we'll, let's start with we'll – start, we'll, go, we'll go backwards. Let's start with Vegas. Okay, Vegas, I think, I mean, I feel like most people are going to say this. It's, it's yep. Flurry. I think that's easy. Me. Flurry has been great, and I think that's pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, playing very good. You got 1.72 goals against average. Um, Chad with the stats. You know, I like it. I think he's got, I think he's got like, four shutouts, two of them in uh, series-clinching games, yep. too. So he's just he's just done nothing but step to the plate, and it's just, yeah. I think it's a very obvious one for yep. Vegas. It's, it's, it's I agree, fair. especially, too, the fact that they score by committee and they don't really have a standout point producer. Um, they just more like they, a lot of them have a lot of like a decent amount of points, but no one has like you know twenty five or whatever it may be at this point in the conference final. So yeah, I think Flurry without a doubt is the Smythe. He's the Smythe favorite overall in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go next? Let's stay in the series. Let's go with uh, go Jets. Um, so I'm gonna go Shifley on this one. 
Um, I think it's also, no, I mean, not necessarily an obvious one. They're, they're, you know, all their offense is playing very well. But um, 20 points, second in the NHL. Um, and he's scoring. I, I was watching the game, and I think he's got about 10 goals out of his 14 on the road. So he's able to, so obviously when, when Winnipeg plays at home, they have, you know, an incredible home ice advantage. they got unbelievable fans. Um, I love the atmosphere whenever I'm watching those games. So they can let that atmosphere, he doesn't even need to, you know, he doesn't even need to step up too much at home because you got the atmosphere and other guys will feed off that. Sure. So the the key is to then obviously produce on the road and he's done, he's done nothing but that, which is, which is yep. great. So I give, uh, yeah, Shifley is my, is yeah, my probably for, more for the listeners. I'm going with the exact same pick. Shifley has been unbelievable scoring at will this playoff. He's, he's been excellent. You know, he's ran into flurry and that's why they're down three to one right now. I just feel, and we talked about this, you know, the main reason for me that the Preds got, or sorry, pardon me, the Jets got by the Preds is due to the fact, like as you spoke about before, their high-powered offense. I think that's only, it's only a matter of time before they crack through. Flurry's been unbelievable. He may continue to be unbelievable just long enough to hold these guys off. But I just have a gut feeling that the Jets are going to break through at one point. And if they, I think if they break through tonight in Game 5, the floodgates could open here and they could really start to light the lamp, which would turn the entire series around for me. So I'm going to give it to Shifley. I think a lot of the offense runs through him and Wheeler in Winnipeg. So I'm going to go uh, with Shifley as well. All right, let's head over to the east here. Uh, do you mind if I start these off? Absolutely, go ahead. Okay, so for Washington, I'm going Alex Ovechkin. Uh, Hopi has had a couple of shaky games, and also I think it's tough for a goalie to win a Conn Smythe when they don't start a playoff. Um, now, mind you, Washington got down 0-2 when he wasn't playing and Grubauer was not instead. Hopi, but I just think Ovechkin has been... You know, he's like, I, I believe it was John Cooper said after game two, I want to say, that he said he's letting out all his frustration in one playoff. You know, never making it here, never getting to this point. He's been great for it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been great. He's right up there at the top near Shifley with goals. And uh, is he, I think he, I last time I believe he was leading in points. If not, he's right there. Yeah, he's definitely like a top three, top two, something like that. I was going to say, yeah, he's right there with like leading like sort of the playoffs with points. I think he's been excellent. Um, so I think, and I also believe, you know, where they're at in the series right now, it's three to two. If... Uh, Washington is going is you know to win the next two and go to the Cup final. It's going to be through Ovechkin's performance, him turning it up to that next level, which I think he's fully capable of doing, as we've seen him do for the last decade plus the NHL. So my picks, Ovechkin. Yeah, if we uh, if we had made the podcast yesterday, I would have said it's a little bit. It could have been. I'm not. Hopefully, he's really not on the radar for me. Uh, Kuznetsov would probably be the other one. Yeah. Um, that can you can make a good argument for. Um, I think they got the same amount of points. Um, actually, no, I think he had 21 yesterday, and Ovi scored, uh, scored yesterday, giving him a couple extra. Well, I don't know if he right, had right. or anything like that, or if Kuznetsov did, beside the point. Um, but after watching yesterday's game, I think um, now now you give it to Ovechkin. Um, I mean, but, like, so yeah, to talk about Kuznetsov, as, as you already talked about Ovechkin, um, you know, he's been playing very well. I think he's got a couple game-winning goals. Um, just to compliment Ovechkin, um, that's it's 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 definitely huge for the team and huge for Ovechkin even too knowing that he doesn't have to literally do everything. Um, yeah, yeah, you've you've seen you've seen a bit more balance in in some of their scoring. I mean, and I, my thing is it's got to be one of those two guys because they also still have had to pick up quite a load um, just due to the fact that Vashman has been injured with his hand injury. Yes, so for Kuznetsov to step up like that is huge. So after tonight's or after yesterday's game, I'm I'm definitely gonna give I'd give it to Ovechkin, but um, I mean you can an honorable mention would be Kuznetsov in my opinion. For sure, for sure. Um, okay, and then finally in Tampa Bay, you know, this one's tough because I just think that this series, I think that you've seen Vasilevsky just really, like, step into his own and, I, I mean, just kind of elevate to that next level right now. Um, you know, he's I think he's got a 9-3-3 save percentage or something right around there. He, he's been he's been lights out um, for me throughout the playoffs. I thought, you know, he hasn't had to be pushed as much, uh, but he still has been great. 
Um, you know, and I think the thing too is you have like I think that right now as I'm on NHL.com right now, the leading uh, point getter uh, within Tempe is Kucherov with 17 points, which is listen, that's respectable. And they've also played less games, which is yes, yes. I was going to make that, yeah, I was going to make that point. So as that's well. of note. Um, I think for me, it's, be, it's kind of a toss up. I think if Vasilevsky keeps playing the way he has been, I think he might edge out um, Stamkos or Kucherov for it. I will say though, I think that they're. It depends on how you know how they end up picking, but. Stamkos has been so hot in this series. He's scoring every game. He's scoring on the power play. He's been excellent. Um, so I think there, there's an argument to be made for him as well. But right now, I have to give a slight edge to Vasilevsky. Just for me, just based on how I think that without his stellar, stellar play in this conference final, I think that the Caps are definitely up 3-2 instead of the other way around. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because as we've talked before, like you know, when it comes to like an MVP-type trophy, um, it's where your team would be without that player. So I guess, I guess yeah, giving it to the goalie is definitely... Um, is definitely good, but I'll bring up Kucherov a little bit. Um, he's got nine power play points. You know, as we talked about, their their deadly their deadly power play they have. Um, so for them to just be producing um, like on all cylinders with that, it's it's huge. Um, so I'd give it to Kucherov. Um, he is the points leader, and and to be repetitive, as you said, he they have what seventeen points, and he's like in the top five or six in the in the uh, scoring right now, and that's only playing you know it's playing a couple less games than than most other teams. So I give it to Kucherov here. Yep, I like that. Okay, we're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back after this. So, Cheddar, uh, World Championships are wrapping up here today. The gold medal game between Sweden and Switzerland in a couple hours, which is a little, you know, a little upsetting for both of us as our two nations were knocked out in the semis and your United States of America just beat, beat the Canadian boys, my Canadian boys, Stantre would say, 4-1. Uh, to A couple empty enters, as you know, we talked about earlier, so that, that was a bit tough. Um, but, you know, before we get into the gold medal game, because I think, you know, we'll get into that and kind of what a surprise that's been, um... I thought you could speak on it as an American, as a big fan of American hockey. Uh, what what a great uh, tournament I thought Patrick Kane had. Oh, I, like, absolutely. And, I mean, I guess I'll put a little asterisk next to it because, I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, should the, should the tournament be moved, and, and you know, deeper into the summer and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like for Kane, unbelievable, unbelievable tournament. I'm not going to discredit him at all. I think he set a couple records uh, for United States hockey with, with goals in a tournament and assists also. Yeah, he had, um, he had most points ever by a single American at the, the World Championships. And for him, so I feel like this whole, you know, the whole World Championship, especially when not everyone's best players are being able to play for their teams and stuff like that, I feel like it's more of a, for the top-end guys, for the top-end guys, I feel like it's more of like a, I don't want to say all-star game feel, but like they go out there, I feel like they play very relaxed, and especially for a player like Kane, if he can play relaxed, you know, he's obviously he's going to dominate, especially when it's weaker competition. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, they go out there, play relaxed, plays with a lot of confidence, plays with a lot of swagger. I feel like that is half the re- I mean, a big reason why he was able to, you know, produce so well. Um, no, I totally agree. I mean, you look you look at sort of, and I think that's a great point you made about how there's just that little tinge of, of a bit weaker competition, especially when you play certain countries. I mean, that goal he scored against the Czechs to send them through in the quarters – 
shattered the guy's ankles. <laughs> made it look, he made it look so... It, it almost looked like he didn't even do a move. No, but he just, he just he walked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely burns the guy. It makes him look stupid. So well, Kane, just out there. Kane, in my opinion, is one of, if not the best in the world, at uh, what they call attacking the T-zone, which is right between, right that area right in between and right around the two the defenders' skates and the stick. He is very, very good at it. And you've seen him, anyone who watches enough hockey, has seen him just take the puck to the outside to his forehand, flip it through the stick or through the skates, and then... Uh, quickly shimmy around the defender as he's got just that that small a bit smaller stature to be able to do that and I yeah. think you know when you get up against a, a, a bit of a weaker defender you see like kind of the you know just the absolute just wreckage he can leave with that guy just that guy <laughs> felt like ate into the corner I think when he made that move so yeah. no Kane for me was awesome to watch you know obviously being a Blackhawks fan I think too it was a nice note like a, or a nice note to see that you know he was given the, the C that there's uh you know as a captain of the U.S. this year I think that shows a lot about his maturity you know, mm-hmm. he's been through some stuff in the past as we as, as well documented in the hockey world. I think to give him that that C on his jersey was a uh, was a big step forward for him. Also, I think that adds helps helps add to that confidence that I was talking about with him playing with. Absolutely. So not, not only did he, you know, he kind of knew that he was like one of the best players on the ice most of the time. Um, he also had the, the you know the C to give him that extra boost of confidence, which is great. For sure, agreed. And I think that you're going to see. I know a couple games this year for Chicago Warden A when guys were injured. I think you're going to see him step into a full time leadership role of Chicago, especially as they try to retool, revamp their roster moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then, you know, Canada, for me, I thought, uh, just speaking with them a little bit, I thought they had, a, they, had a, they had a good, you know, decent tournament. I think it was interesting to see them come pretty close. I mean, they took them overtime to beat Latvia, which was very surprising for me. Uh, yeah. McDavid did McDavid things. He looked great, but, uh, you know, they just ran into, I mean, an unbelievably hot goaltender in, in Switzerland yesterday. I, I watched that game. I could not believe the fact they lost that game. They just dominated the Swiss the pretty much the entirety of the, of the game. Swiss got lucky with a couple couple goals, and one the last one was a tip. Tough tough to watch, to be honest. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is where um, that relaxed feel can come back to haunt um, can come back to haunt teams, yeah. Because obviously, obviously, Canada if they put their best team on the ice, you know, skill and talent wise, they have the best team. Um, obviously, they didn't have their best talent out there, but anyway, so a smaller, unproven country like Switzerland, um, they're going to be out there. You know, they're excited to represent their country and everything like that, and they're going to go out there and basically play like you know it's their last game, especially when they you know can up their uh, up their compete factor against you know a Canadian team like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I also think. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to be excited to play for their country. That's, that's, that's you know, without a doubt. But, you know, Canada and, you know, the United States and other, other countries have a lot of, you know, NHLers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Switzerland, I feel like, is, you know, actually, more so than any of the, the weaker teams. The, the, I don't want to say weaker. Any of the smaller countries, the teams that aren't really known as, you know. Yeah, the up-and-comers. The up-and-comers. Up yeah, they are, I feel like, a little bit more fired up to play for their country. Um, yeah, and I feel like that's that's definitely an advantage. I agree. One thing that's actually it's very interesting you say that. I was I didn't know this. Um, I thought he might have been injured yesterday when I watched the game, but I heard this morning. The crazy part is uh, the first uh, ever number one overall pick from Switzerland was this was this past draft with Nico Heischer going number one to New Jersey. He did not play in this tournament. Uh, I believe just worn down from his first NHL season. Didn't play for Switzerland which is pretty crazy. Like Ray Ferraro was speaking about on the broadcast about how he'll be cheering them on, but it's pretty crazy to think that he'll, he'll be cheering them on from the couch and not from the bench and on the ice. That to me was pretty wild. And it's good for them that even without him, they were able to, you know, right. obviously obviously play very well. Yeah, but I mean, you see guys go over and, you know, you see Yossi go over after Captain of Nashville going over and playing for Switzerland. Obviously a huge boost to their defensive core. Um, and then, you know, Sweden. Sweden's one of those teams that's crazy. Like they're just consistently, 
consistently there. They won the Worlds last year against Canada in the gold medal game. Um, they've been, you know, they've been very good this tournament. They dominated the U.S., although the U.S. came out very hot in the first period in the semis, and uh, Anders Nielsen was great for Sweden in net. Um, and then, you know, slowly Sweden started to take over. You know, this is a tough one to call. Who do, who do you like in this game today? today? I mean... I'm not. I mean, I'm not. A, 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 you know, an expert on either of the teams. I'd go Sweden, though. They're just, as you said, consistent. Um, it seems like they're always in. You know, they're always mentioned for for gold medals, whether it's World Championships, Olympics, whatever you want, mm-hmm. whatever you want to talk about. Um, just very consistent. You know, just very skilled players over there. Um, I'm gonna give it to. I'm gonna give it to Sweden. Agreed. Yeah, I like that call as well. I mean, you know, if the Swiss goalie stays hot, I feel like there's gonna be a point. His bubble's gonna burst. He's got to be exhausted at this point after all the shots from Canada and the rest of the uh, tournament. I'm going to pick Sweden as well. I think, you know, if they get hot early and they put a couple by them, I think Swiss might just crumble around them. So, uh, yeah, I think Sweden will take it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, to wrap up the World Championship talk, as the tournament itself wraps up, I had an interesting uh, topic for you, uh, is that, you know, while watching the IIHF um, tournament, you, you you know, we talked about how, and you mentioned earlier, about how there's a little bit of that um, not the best on best tournament feel and how some of the top players have a little more confidence because, again, there's a bit of weaker competition or a bit more, I could say, there's a bit more spread of talent, like um, based on the fact that not every NHLer is there. So my question is, is that do you wish that they would move the world to the summer, allowing for true best and best hockey, especially with them not going to the Olympics this last year? Uh, the argument is that it cuts into guys' summers, recoveries, and players could still decline if they're injured and stuff like that. But what what do you think about that? It's it's tough because then you got to think about you know in the fall when they come back to you know their NHL teams and stuff like that, or their you know wherever else they're playing if it's not the NHL. Um, it's it's a very I think it's a very very tough call to make because yeah as you said it cuts into the summer which is huge for for NHLers mm-hmm. long season um it's definitely you know quite a bit of a grind so I, I I don't think there's a real winning decision here I guess maybe pushing it back maybe like a month or so um or pushing it for, pushing it forward it's it's tough it's tough to release because you can't do it right before camps and stuff like that that I definitely can't do that. Middle of the summer is like a lot of guys might be getting, you know, off season surgeries. They might be working out differently. Um, yeah, or guys are getting after to the cottage. I mean, either way, you know, they, <laughs> absolutely, which, which, which honestly, they're also allowed to do. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, you know, they're, they're they work. They're professionals. They're allowed to, you know, vacation a little bit. Yeah, of course. So I think that'd also be even so for some of the top name guys that would be, uh, you know, more of an incentive to say to say no is, is right. You know, crappy as crappy as that might sound. No, I mean, I, I don't think it sounds bad. I think that, you know, guy, you, you work really hard, and I think that that's, I think, why it's placed where it is, is the mentality of just carrying into the season. I think, for example, uh, you saw a lot of Preds go over. You have Arvidsson and Forsberg for Sweden, then Riosi, as I mentioned, for Switzerland. Those are guys who, I think, plan to keep playing hockey till June, got knocked out of the playoffs earlier than they would have liked, and they go right over. Um, so I think there's a bit of that. My only thought is I, I wouldn't it's even... It's a very good way. Very good way to look at it. Yeah. I don't even think of it like that. I, I w- it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I wouldn't even move it back a month. My thoughts always, though, would you maybe even, for example, start the tournament around this weekend when it's wrapping up, just so that, you know, or or start it like just maybe a, like two weeks, I guess, later around this time. That way, giving a couple more players the opportunity to join is maybe a possibility. I agree. Middle mm-hmm. of the summer, it's it's tough. You get more into it, and you're not. And also, the IIHF is not going to revolve around the NHL, as there's a ton of players from other, like most of the other countries come from different uh, pro leagues. So it's definitely definitely tricky. But I would my only thing I'd like to see is maybe move it back a couple weeks, because then you even give guys, for example, guys are out in the first round. You know, you give them a week and a half to recover from something small, and then maybe they go and represent their country. But either way, I agree. I think it's. Kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. It's tricky either way. 
it's a big part. The thing that I think for me, why I thought about it a lot this year was the fact that the, like uh, the NHLers didn't go to the Olympics this year, which is a whole other thing. But it was it was tough. Uh, to not see a best-on-best best tournament. And I feel that if that's going to continue, if they're not going to go to the Olympics, I think either the World Cup has to be a little more common. They have to start doing that every, maybe, hopefully two years or something like that. Or the Worlds have to be moved at least a little bit because I think everyone who's a true world hockey fan wants to see best-on-best best hockey as much as they can. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that 100%. For sure. Okay, um, quickly, I know uh, we talked briefly about the Memorial Cup here. Uh, I know that, Chad, like you mentioned, that you know me being from Canada, I, I'm a little more into it. Um then you are. I know you obviously know about the, like, the tournament, the leagues, but just want to do a quick, uh, just a quick little cap here, if that's all right with you. So basically, for the people that don't know, it's it's essentially it's just a small tournament from all the major leagues in um, all the major junior leagues in Canada, correct? Yeah. So essentially, how it works is, yeah, I should that's that's a good point. I should explain it to our our uh, American listeners, and I mean, any to be honest, both of us, any listener who doesn't really follow, because it's not the most prominent tournament, but. Uh, I've always grown up loving it. So it's the 100th in history. It's the 100th Memorial Cup. Essentially how it works is there's three major leagues that make up the Canadian Hockey League, which is Major Junior Hockey in Canada. You have the QMJHL, which is the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and that is teams based in Quebec and all the east coast of Canada. Um, so you have teams from Halifax and um, not just Quebec, obviously. Then you have the OHL, which is the Ontario Hockey League, which has all teams from Ontario. And then there's actually an American division. So you have Flint Firebirds from Michigan. You have the Erie Otters, where you and I go to school. We've watched them play. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have the OHL. And then finally, you have the WHL, which is the Western Hockey League, which is by far the vastest league. You have teams all the way uh, in Victoria and British Columbia up until um, you have teams up in Saskatchewan. Um, so you have a lot, a pretty wide geographic spread there. Essentially, uh, there's three different leagues. Those leagues each have their own championship. Uh, they, who, the winner of each of those championships ends up going to a tournament playing the other champions of uh, the other uh, two leagues, as well as a host city. So, for example, this year Regina was the host of the 100th Memorial Cup. That's how the fourth team gets in, is, is the host the city? The host. So, for example, every like every like sometimes <clears throat> sometimes they usually try to pick teams that are going to be competitive within that sort of range of years. They don't try to pick a bottom feeder. Um, yeah. But, for example. Because there's six, I think I think there's 60 teams that can technically qualify for Yes, this. there is. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Right, so right around, there might be a little teams. more. Um, yeah, and the talent could be very spread out from the top team to like a bottom team. For sure. So it's good. That- so how it works too, which is really interesting, is in previous years, for example, um, in 2011, Mississauga hosted it, and they were in the final. So they ended up playing Owen Sound. Uh, they were in the OHL final, pardon me. They ended up playing Owen Sound in the OHL final. So because Mississauga was the host, whoever they played against before the series even started knew they were going to the Memorial Cup. Because if the host wins their respective turn, their respective league championship, the finalist goes with them. To the oh, okay. Cup. That's okay. the only way. So now, for example, in the last couple of years, you've seen teams haven't uh, made it as far. Windsor, who won the Memorial Cup last year, got knocked out in the first round, mm-hmm. but they were hosts. Regina this year as well got knocked out in the first round of the WHL playoffs. They're hosts. So this year you have them. You have Swift Current Broncos from the WHL, the WHL champion. Um... Acadie Bathurst uh, Teton or Titan from QMJHL and the Hamilton Bulldogs of the OHL. Um, so it started off here, it just got underway. Regina, actually the host, beat Hamilton in the opening game 3-2. to two. Um, So for me, it's pretty interesting. The one thought that I thought was pretty neat about this is that actually all the league champions were the number two seeds in their leagues. None of them were the winners. So all, all of them upset number one seeds along the way, which I thought was pretty crazy. So is it a one-and-done tournament or is it a series? It's a round robin, and then there is so essentially how it works is it's a round robin. Then whoever finishes fourth in that round robin, once everyone plays each other, is eliminated. Then there's the top team gets a bye to the Memorial Cup final, and then there's a single semifinal to play for the right to go to the final. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that a lot actually. Yeah, it's neat like because that. it obviously makes the round robin worth something instead of just yeah. being meaningless kind of thing. So it's pretty mm-hmm. neat. 
Um, anyway, so there's a couple things that I want to just note on here before we get into it. But um, first of all, just kind of one last point in overall is Robert Thomas, who's a forward for uh, Hamilton, is actually very interestingly trying to win a, a Memorial Cup for the second time with a different team. So he won it with London when they won it a couple of years ago, and now he's going okay. for his second with a different team, which I thought it's pretty interesting to think about, you know, playing your junior career and getting traded uh, as he was from London to Hamilton and now going for a second Memorial Cup. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds very, yeah, it's awesome actually, especially not just winning your league or I'm not sure how he did in his other leagues, but um, not just winning your league, but then win, I guess this would be like essentially the holy grail of, of, of junior hockey. You know, no, it is. I mean, yeah, for yeah. me, the reason I've, I mean, I've grown up loving this tournament. The reason I've always enjoyed it, honestly, like it's, it's always in Canada, it's a very Canadian tournament, but I've always loved it because it really is. It's to win your championships hard enough and then to come in and beat every other champion. It really is you know, crowning the best team in the country. And I think it's a very big deal for all these players. So uh, best luck to all of them as it moves forward. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be back to wrap it up with the final debate topic. All right, Cheddar, so uh, a couple things to wrap up here. Our final debate topic is should the NHL adapt the three-point uh, game format? So the IIHF, uh, the World Championships, as we mentioned earlier, are just wrapping up. They adapt, They have a three-point um, each game system. So how it works is there's three points for a regulation win. And then if the teams are tied after two, or sorry, after the full game is complete, after three periods, geez, read a book, Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's three points for regulation win, two points for an OT win, and one point for an OT loss. So essentially, there's three points up for grabs every game. The minute you get into overtime, what ends up happening is you split those three points, two to the winner, one to uh, the loser. For me, I, well, I'll get your thoughts on it first, but what do you think about the NHL adopting that system in the future? I I would like it. I would like, definitely, definitely would like it. I think it would make certain games more meaningful, um, certain situations in games more meaningful. Um <clears throat> And yeah, I think it. I think they should adapt for sure. For sure, I think I think they should too. For me, I think it makes games more desperate and attacking. Uh, I think that like you've seen it before a lot, and uh, you know we can talk about a couple teams, especially with the three on three format now. But you see teams where if a game say ten minutes left in the third, it's a two two game. Teams are a little more like let's both wait till overtime, especially now with the three on three format. I'll give you a prime example. Edmonton is very very strong in three on three overtime. You put McDavid and Drysdale yeah. out there. Um, with you know a nurse or a Larson, just a capable defenseman, they have a good chance to end games in overtime. My thought is that if you you know hockey is meant to be played in sixty minute game, it's five on five. Everything else is to end games. It's not what the basis of the game should be. So for me, I would like to see giving guys benefit for a regulation win. The other part of it for me that I think is kind of under like like not really spoken about too much when they talk about this. For me, I think the other part is I feel that it also puts a difference on. A hard-fought game, a hard-fought 3-2 overtime win or overtime loss. Both teams probably deserve a point for that. But does a team deserve the same amount of points for an O2 win they do for a 7-0 trouncing of a team? I think it's almost it's a reward for, you know, if you have a dominant game, you should be rewarded a little more. Oh, okay, so you're saying, okay. Like yeah, I'm saying if, saying, if you beat a team 7 nothing versus you beat a team 3-2 in overtime, I think maybe, you know, I think that three points for that 7 nothing win makes sense because it is such a, it's a far more prominent victory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a good way to put it. And then you had a good good example with uh, 
with Edmonton. Yeah, I think the three points definitely makes the games more meaningful. I um, definitely want to close out games in the third. As you said, teams could wait. Just you know, oh well, you know, we could. Well, let's say at least take them to overtime mm-hmm. stuff right. like this. Like, it, it's gonna be. I feel like the ending of regulation can be, you know, a lot more exciting, a lot more offensive. Um, people maybe risking, you know, being a little more risky instead of playing like, you know, the standard. You know, we'll just wait till overtime. We're just going to play some solid defense. Do what we have to do to get to overtime? Do what we have to do to give ourselves a chance to win in overtime? So I feel like the ending of regulation games would be, you know, would be a lot more exciting, a lot more fun to watch. And as you said, you just, just, you know, for the players' aspect and for, you know, just the teams that, you know, they should be rewarded if they, you know, if they take, if they have a handed, you know, if they have a victory that's very handed. Yeah, it's very like yeah, yeah, very handed, very handed victory. So I think yeah, three point three points for a win would be. I think very meaningful for teams, and I think it should be. I think it should happen. Yeah, and I think the thing for me too is I think it would make the end of seasons very interesting, where teams are battling or jockeying for position, and you'd see, for example, a team is right in that playoff hunt, but they need those three point wins. Are they pulling the goal at the end of a tie game? Are they doing stuff like that where they're like really they because they're trying to get that extra point? I think that's really interesting to see. I think that you would see a dynamic change. Within the league, I think it would affect the league pretty much on a nightly basis, but I think in a positive way. For me, I always come back to the same thing. Overtime hockey is great, but it's usually the best time that I love overtime hockey is in the playoffs when it's continuous OT and you play until someone. So we, it's 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 more it's more actual hockey, whereas yeah. you know it's shootouts and, and shootouts and three on three. You know, some people love it, some people hate it, but yeah, I love the continuous five on five. Just just more. Straight up regular hockey. Because right. the thing is, for me, listen, I grew up playing three and three in the summers. I love three and three hockey. It's fun to watch at the pro level. But at the same time, yeah, from like a hockey purist point of view, the game is played five on five. Strategy is five on five. And now you're literally having mm-hmm. teams create three on three strategies just for overtime. I think you're obviously still allowed to do that. And games are obviously still going to end in ties. You know, if you have two hot goalies, you're still going to have to, obviously, you're still going to have ties a lot of the time. And that goes into overtime. But I just think I think that it eliminates boring ends of hockey games and doesn't take away anything else for me. That's my biggest thing is you can still have three and three overtime. You still have those shootouts if nothing else happens. But I just think that it negates a bit of them because what ends up happening is teams want that extra point and they're going to fight for it harder within the third period in a tight game. Yeah. So I mean, for a fan, I feel like you know I feel like a lot of fans would like it. It might take some getting used to. But do you think players would would like that? You know, a little extra. Um. Yeah. You know, I, I obviously can't speak for NHL players, but because so, sometimes, because sometimes the NHL, well, not just sometimes in in sports, you know, it is a business, so they do things more so geared towards the fans, more so geared towards ratings and for stuff sure. like that. Um. I don't know if this move would necessarily be something like that. I, I mean, no, I no. And what, what do you and, think about and that, that? That's a very good point. From a business perspective, does three on three fill more seats? Does it get people more excited? I think. The thing that I would say, and obviously, listen, I haven't run the numbers on this. It's just a debate topic. However, my feeling on it is that 3-on-3 three three overtime is never guaranteed. It's not like you go to the rink to or put on a game to, I oh, well, I'm watching overtime. Overtime isn't guaranteed. So for me, what is guaranteed is the last 10 minutes of every hockey game, like a minute 50 to minute 60, where you see sometimes in a tie game, guys, you know, slow down the pace a little bit and just let's get to OT. The last minutes, let's get to OT. I think when you eliminate that, you create more consistent, fast-paced hockey. So then, say if it goes to... So either one, you have that fast pace for 10 minutes instead of five, or you have both, and then everyone wins either way. So for me, I think... I get Mm -hmm. what you're saying, but I just think, to me, it's something that needs to happen sooner rather than later. I think players would like it because I think also, I feel at least, that players, I think, would appreciate that more. I think looking at... Like I said earlier, like they dominate a team, and they're going to get that extra point for that. I think that's right. Yeah, I do too. I think you know if they dominate, it's well deserved. They get the extra point, and 
Yeah, I think they should adopt the new uh, the new point system. Okay, Gary Bettman, get on it, get after it. <laughs> okay, final question. This is a bit of a this is a bit of a random one for you. We haven't prepped about this one, but I was just thinking about it the last couple of days. Just kind of a, we're talking about a lot of awards and award ceremonies. Is obviously aside from the statistical ones. So obviously, because you could you could win those, but let's take away the heart uh, the heart trophies, the league MVP. Because I think everyone would say that. What's one of the more the smaller awards that if you were in the NHL you'd love to win? Or you and you or I should put it maybe because this is a lot of the smaller awards have this. You'd love to be like a constant, uh, a constant like mention this. So for example, Bergeron for the Selkie all the time. Okay, so well, what's the Sel- what's the Selkie again? What Selkie, do, do you, I, think, you... I believe uh, best defensive forward, but it's also like kind of best two way forward in the game. Okay, I do like that. I do like that yeah. award, but. Um... What is? I'm sure, don't think this is gonna sound. This is gonna sound. This is more looking at you know you as a person, you as a man, okay. being respected, being respected by other yes. people in general, not yes. even just the hockey aspect. Um, what are the? Uh, what's the like? Don't they have like a sportsmanship award? Well, or something like that? the or Lady like, Bing is the big trophy. Is the big small? It's for me. Like my answer to this question, if it wasn't a major war, obviously in my opinion, is the Lady Bing. It's the player, and it's I have it, the definition right up here. Uh, um, it is presented each year to the National Hockey League player, uh, a judge to have exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct combined with a high standard of playing ability. For me, that's the one that I would always want to be in the talk for. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's, I like that. It, it shows that you, I mean, obviously a decent hockey player, but then, um, you know, you're getting recognized by fans and players and, and whatever, um, just the hockey world as a whole. But then to also, you know, you're going to be a pretty decent guy to win that, to win that, uh, to win that award, and I think it says a lot about you more than you know, just going out there and scoring a whole bunch of goals, more than you going out there and making a whole bunch of saves as a goalie and stuff like that. It's, it shows that you can be, you know, not only a good hockey player, but also just a gentleman and a, and a, and a sportsman. I like that for a lot. sure. And I think you, when you look back, I'm looking at the last previous couple winners here, and you know, you and I kind of model our game after this guy, but Ryan O'Reilly wins it in 2014. Guy that yeah, yeah. we both big fans of, and his, the nominees there are Stanley and Marlowe. Yuri Hudler wins it in 2015, uh, Kopitar wins it in 2016. Goudreau won it last year. The nominees this year are Wild Bill Carlson, Alexander Barkov from Florida, and Ryan O'Reilly again. So I think that you look at those players, and especially you and I both have a pretty big man crush on Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, oh my god, don't even get me started. Yeah, Ryan O'Reilly. Snooks. Love love that guy. He 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 works hard. He he's respectful. He plays hard. Um, he can, he can score some goals. Stuff like you know, plays two way hockey. And I think he's just a very good. He's a captain like player, whether he has a C on his chest or not. Um, I think you know. Just people, and even like you know, young kids can even model the game after that. After him, model how he plays the game after him. How he works off the ice. His workout regimen is crazy. Yeah, have you seen um, the video where his he, his dad, his brother Cal, also plays? I believe it's in the Sabres organization. I don't know if he still is there, but he was. But do you see that? I'm actually maybe with the Iowa Wild now. Actually, anyways, um, one thing that they did growing up and they still do in the summers is they'll be doing a lot of like acrobatic plyometric kind of work, and his dad will throw math problems at them. And it's to build uh, mental think like mental capacity while you're in strenuous situations while you're tired. and while you're tired. Yeah, yeah. You, I think, I think you talked. I think we talked about this on our roadie once. I think you were the one that that kind of opened up my eyes to how hard this guy guy actually like. I already liked him, and then you kind of just solidified that for me. But yeah, to be able to, to for to train your mind, even not even just physically yeah. training, it, it's great to just be able to think when you're tired. Obviously, huge in you know, third, third period and, and, you know, a grinding game. It's just, it's awesome to see him training like that, which then also means, you know, 
just works hard, loves 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 the game kind of player, yeah. but also is a good but also is a good player and, and can produce both sides of the um both sides of the ice. It's it's just for great. sure. I love O'Reilly, and I think the lady bang would be would be the. Uh, you know, would be the trophy that I'd want yeah. to win if it wasn't like you know. Yeah, I'm the same with you. I mean, obviously there's the big ones, but I think that's one of the smaller ones I'd love to win. Um, the other thing too that I find interesting, you know, just kind of on O'Reilly, I think obviously you know both of us could talk about him for a while. But then I found pretty interesting about him was that at this, at, you know, at the end of the year with the Sabers, obviously he he made comments that he he lost his love for the game a little bit during the year, and he had to kind of try to get that back this summer. Some people found his comments pretty negative, or and weren't happy with him, and I think that he didn't think they would blow up as they did. Personally, I, I thought it was just I just think you've seen a pretty honest guy talk about the fact that he's tired of losing, and you know, you being a big Sabers fan, what what did you think of those comments? So yeah, at first I was like, oh, I don't, I didn't like hearing that at all. But then I, you know, said, you know, thought about it a little bit more. So for a guy who does love the game so much and a guy who does um, work so hard, I feel like he's a very uh, tough critic on himself. So when your love for the game is so high, like, as and you're a tough critic, I feel like even when you just lose a little bit of love for a second or two, it you might be a tough critic on yourself, and then you're gonna come out and say something like right. that because. You you feel I mean he still probably he he still works hard and, and and plays hard and loves the game more than most people I would say, but for him to in his own mind I think if he loses a shred of love for you know a second I he's think, on himself you know being a t- yeah yeah tough on himself and it's good that he at least if he truly f- feels that it's good that he he's gonna work on it it's good that he knows it's good that he admit admitted it and yeah I mean I don't I don't think it's gonna I don't think he's ever gonna drop off or anything like that unless it's you know something with age or something like that but. Yeah, I think he's gonna come back next year, probably ready to go. I agree. And yeah, as you mentioned, and you as you mentioned, it's the sick, the sick of losing stuff because, you know, when you when you compete so hard and you work so hard, it's 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 tough to, not, um, not see results and also just, man, the Sabers are. Yeah, you know, but really I, I think bad. I think what's really bad. So it's, it's I would tough. say though, I think, and we talked about at length about how he should probably already have the C there. But I think one thing that you know, and you and I have spoken about it before, that I think that shows a lot of hope for. Sabres is obviously, you know, you got, you're going to pick up Deleen, which is a, you know, a star defenseman. But I think also you have your two right now, like the two big like guys in the franchise are O'Reilly and Eichel. And both of them are just, you just tell they hate losing, probably hate losing more than they love winning. You see both those guys just have pure disdain. Eichel, you've seen him in the last couple of off seasons has been livid with how they've performed. I think that that's an infectious kind of thing. When, when you have the guys who are the top guys in your franchise, the top guys on your team, and it, with sort of the faces of, of that franchise, when they hate to lose that much, that's infectious in a locker room. And you you put the right guys in there, and I think you're just going to convert guys, start to become more like that. You're going to see some results sooner than later, I think. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's a very good way to put it. When, you got the, when you're the face of an organization, obviously you have, you know, a lot of, your words have a lot of impact. And to, to show frustration, as long as you do it in the right way, um, as long as you do it in the right way, it can be it can be good. Even though it's a little, a little bit negative, it can be good if you do it in, the, in, the, in a positive for sure, way. For sure. All right. Well, that wraps up episode four. Um, you know, we're looking uh, we're looking to do a couple more interviews this summer. I think we're also going to get into some some interesting topics, Chad. We're going to do some some beer league uh, horror stories. Already already started already started for me. I already got a got a couple lined up from this summer already. So, excited excited for episodes like that. Yeah, keep those in the bank. I think we'll do that. We're going to be doing big previews at the draft. Uh, or right before the draft, we're going to try to be doing some free agent frenzy stuff. It's been a pretty interesting, um, there's going to be a pretty interesting offseason with some big free agents, but mainly John Tavares. And yeah, just keep uh, keep putting out content. Uh, yeah, Chad, anything you want to say to wrap up here? I think I'm good for now. There we go. All right, guys, thanks again for listening as always. Um, you know, we're going to keep trying, I don't know, just keep trying, trying to grow this thing. That's the way to say it. Uh, Pete will be on for episode five, uh, most likely. 
And uh, yeah, shout out to producer Pete for all the editing he's going to have to do for this one and future <laughs> ones. But uh, we appreciate you, everyone. Thanks for listening.